0: Crying for help. I know so many are, so many uh, feel alone, feel unloved or pretty useless. And that's why, why we tend to wonder what God could see in us. And we, we start to think kind of less of ourselves. A lot of people think that's humility, and it's really not. C.S. Lewis once said that thinking uh, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but rather just thinking of yourself less. It's you know putting the other person first is humility. That's that's the truth of that. Um, of course, this message, if is going to mainly come out of Psalms 143. Uh, so if you want to bookmark that and you can flip to the others as we go along or however you wish to do it there. Um, like I said, the message is mainly going to come out of Psalms 143. But it seems that when we feel alone, that we tend to cry out for help the most. We feel like we need Help the most when we're feeling alone or we're feeling down. I know a lot of people found themselves in a different kind of isolation this past couple of weeks, waiting on the weather to clear up, not able to get out or go anywhere. And kind of reminded us how this whole year has been people social distancing, isolating themselves, some people ending up in quarantine. It's easy to start to feel alone. We also find that when you start to cry out for help, you start looking for people to be with. You start looking for signs of hope. And so we see more and more people showing up at church who hasn't been at church before because they're looking for that hope. And we often say that our doors are open to all people. But the real question is, are they really? You see, Jesus found himself in a situation where he was enjoying a meal with what appeared to be the wrong set of people. He is at a banquet at Levi's house. We know him as Matthew. With sinners and tax collectors. And the Pharisees called him out on it. And we see jesus's response in luke chapter 5 verses 31 and 32 and he tells them that the healthy don't need a doctor but the sick do i've come to call the right uh, i've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance for those of us that have been in church for long times we tend to forget what it was like when we weren't and so when people come into church and they're not dress the way that we think they should be, or they don't act the way that we think they should, or they don't live the same lifestyle that we do, we we may, in front of them, act nice, but I think it's too often that once we get away from the church building, we start the gossip, we start the, the talking about them, the wondering about them, start Ostracizing them based on that first appearance. We don't hear that cry for help because we've closed off God's voice to our own ears because we've gotten so set in our ways. God's voice comes through a still soft whisper and we've let the noise drown it out. And that's a problem that I've seen in Many, many churches. And I think it's a problem that a lot of people see if they take the time to open their eyes. They see that problem in many, many churches. I heard one pastor say that the reason he changed churches and developed the church he created, which is now one of the largest churches in America, with an online presence around the world, reaching hundreds of thousands, if not millions, every single week. Is because in one of his early assignments in the Methodist church he witnessed a deacon who was acting as a door greeter turn a young person away because they parked in the wrong parking spot and weren't dressed appropriately and he said he would never allow that in his church and from what I've seen he hasn't his church is pretty large And it reaches a lot of different people of different lifestyles. I'm not saying the man's perfect. I'm saying he's trying. And it's a stance that many of us should take. We shouldn't judge people by their first appearances. We should be willing to be that hospital. To be willing to have our doors truly open to all people without judgment or criticism. Instead, we've tended to treat church like a social club. We say the doors are open, but it's usually only if you're the right type of person. Well, that's not how we should be. See, Jesus told the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his time, that he come for the sick, for the hurt, for the broken. He comfort those who weren't at the synagogue. He come to save the lost. And if we're to be his hands and feet, we should have that same mindset. We can't save any person, but we can lead them to the one who does. But that's only if we're willing to accept them the way he did. The way he accepted us. If we can remember back to before we came to him. Another person in biblical history found himself alone, even though he was constantly surrounded by 30 of the strongest men of Israel. He was on the run from the king because the king felt threatened because God had chosen another to take his place. That man's name was David. He would become the king of Israel because God chose him to be. But he found himself alone, quite often hiding out in caves throughout the countryside, having to basically sneak past the armies in order to get even just a drink of water. He had men who was loyal to him so fiercely that some braved a Philistine garrison just to bring him a cup of cold water from a bell in Bethlehem, from a well. Why did I say about? from a well in Bethlehem. But he still found himself feeling alone. But see, David knew how to talk to God. He had had a relationship with God. The people that come to church, you don't have that. Very often they don't have that. Sometimes they might have some background in the church. They've gotten away from church and they're trying to come back. But a lot of them, most of them, don't have that history. They don't know what a relationship with God is like. And that's where our hands come in to help guide them. See, in Psalms 143, we see one instance where David cries out for help from God. He says, Lord, hear my prayer in your faithfulness. Listen to my plea. And in your righteousness, answer me. Do not bring your servant unto judgment For no one alive is righteous in your sight For the enemy has pursued me Crushing me to the ground Making me live in darkness Like those long dead My spirit is weak within me My heart is overcome with dismay I remember the days of old I meditate on all you have done I reflect on the work of your hands I spread out my hands to you I'm like parched land before you. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Don't hide your face from me, or I will be like those going down to the pit. Let me experience your faithful love in the morning, for I trust in you. Reveal to me the way I should go, because I appeal to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I come to you for protection. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, Lord, let me live in your righteousness. Deliver me from trouble. And in your faithful love, destroy my enemies. Wipe out all those who attack me, for I am your servant. See, David knows that he's a sinner in this. He knows that he's unrighteous in the eyes of the Lord, even though the Lord has called him to be king. in all his running and everything he had several opportunities to kill Saul himself but he wouldn't because he also saw that Saul was anointed by God and he would not touch the lord's anointed he was willing to wait for his time to come as king when god saw fit but david or yeah david cries out lord hear my prayer and then he gives Glory over to God. He says, in your faithfulness, listen to my plea. And in your righteousness, answer me. David's not taking credit for anything he's done. He's recognizing that it's everything God has done. And then he cries out to God and says, do not bring your uh, servant into judgment. For no one alive is righteous in your sight. He recognizes that God is the one who will judge us. God judges, not man. Man may think he does, but in the end, it's God's judgment that matters. Then he pleads with God and tells him what's going on. He says, my enemy has pursued me, crushing me to the ground, making me live in darkness like those long dead. He's referring to those caves he was hiding in. See, the Israelites would often bury their dead in caves and cut out holes in the side of a mountain or a hill. And David recognized that he was in darkness like those who have been dead for a long time. And he felt alone. He said, my spirit is weak within me. My heart is overcome with dismay. That's depression. It's anxieties. That's that. Loneliness creeping up on you. A lot of people face that every day. and There's a lot of us that have just faced it once or twice. But we do face it. And when we face it, we cry out for help. It says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you have done. I reflect on the work of your hands. I spread my hands to you. I'm like parched land before you. Sounds like he's saying, I give up because things aren't like they used to be. But what he's saying is, I give it up to you, God. Because there's nothing I can do. And he pleads for God to answer him quickly. Says, my spirit fails. I know I've felt that before. God's quiet. Start to feel like even he's left you. Start to feel like your spirit's fallen. But David remains faithful. And he keeps crying out and says, don't hide your face from me or I'll be like those going down to the pit. Let me experience your faithful love in the morning for I trust in you. Reveal to me the way I should go because I appeal to you. He's asking for a sign from God. says, rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I come to you for protection. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, let me live. In your righteousness, deliver me from trouble. And in your faithful love, destroy my enemies. Wipe out all those who attack me, for I'm your servant. David is turning the battle over to God. He's saying, I will trust you to lead me where you want me to go see when those people who have never been in church come in they've been pulled in by the spirit of god and they have no idea where that's come from but when they come in and they see picturesque christians sitting on the pews shunning them saying welcome to our church and then never talking to them again or gathering in groups to gossip, or doing anything else that might strengthen the stereotypical view that the world has on Christianity. They, they forget about that pool that drew them in to begin with. But when we welcome him in with open arms and we talk with them, about the love of God, the love of Christ, and we teach them about what it's like to give everything over to Him, they can start to recognize what David's saying here, that even though I feel alone, even though I feel depressed, even though I feel helpless, and I've been crying out for help, this body that I see before me is the answer I was looking for. Because God led me to them so that they could lead me to him. And that sounds like it's counterintuitive, but it's really not. Because you won't recognize that that's a pool of the Holy Spirit until you get to see people who recognize what the Holy Spirit can do. Until you know what the Spirit is, you'll never know where what, what's been pulling you. And the only way you can learn that is from people who are actually walking in the light of God and letting the Spirit lead them. And so when we isolate someone because they're different, we shut out their cry for help. We make it, make it harder for that cry to be answered. Because we were the answer that God had sent. We were the sign that they had cried for. When David said to reveal to me the way I should go because I appealed to you. Let me experience your faithful love in the morning. It's the same thing they're crying for. God, I want to know what your love is like. And so he sent them to us in the church. And when we're acting no different than those in the world, they start to wonder what was the point. See, the church has to be set apart. It has to be different. If we're to be a hospital for the sick and the broken, and to reach out to the lost and the sinners, and not just cater to the saints, and we have to be different than a world that is constantly catering to everybody around them. We have to be willing to say, what do you need? How can I help? We have to be say, willing to say, I actually love you, even though I don't know you. Let me show you the one Who taught me how to love. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Because the love that's out there in the world is different than the love that we know. And if we're hoarding that for ourselves and only giving it to those who already know it. Then we're not showing his love. But if we're sharing that with those who are lost. Hurt and broken then we are running God's hospital the way he saw. A lot of people out there don't know how to talk to God like David did. There's a lot of us who don't know how to talk to God like David did. We need to open our hearts and our minds to the voice of God and listen to him so that he can lead us and teach us how to be more like Christ. So are we really opening God's door for them? Are we fulfilling that great commission? Are we making disciples by teaching them how to love one another and how to share that love with others? Or are we standing in the way of someone's salvation? Because that's what's really at stake when we do that. When we shut out people because of their differences, instead of accepting them because God loves them, we could be standing in the way of their salvation. They could remain lost because we remained ignorant in that fact, because we looked at them with our own selfish views, because they weren't part of our club, they didn't fit in. See, in 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul was writing a letter to Timothy and he said something that sticks out to me so much. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them. If God showed me enough grace And mercy to give me salvation. Why would I hoard that from others? There are people who lived worse lives than I lived before I was saved. Before they got saved. And he showed them grace and mercy. I was one of the lucky ones. I can't say I was addicted to drugs or an alcoholic or anything of that sort. I got saved as a teenager before I got into any of that type of stuff. There are some out there who lead recovery programs because they know what it's like to be addicted to that stuff, to be trapped in those situations, to have their addictions and faults and the daily struggles that they still face with that. Some people's addictions are more acceptable. Maybe they're just a glutton. They like to eat. Oh, well, that's okay. They like to eat. No. They're addicted to something. They put it before everything else. Some people are addicted to television or video games, and they put that so much before everything else that they neglect their family. addiction is real and it affects everybody in some way or another and if God can use somebody who has that type of mindset then why should we stand in the way of him possibly using somebody else because we look at him and go oh well there's no hope for that person we don't get to make that call God makes that call and God provided hope for that person through Jesus Christ we often look in the scriptures and we think about how great a missionary Paul was and here he is saying he was the worst sinner of them all. It's easy to read his mission and read his letters to all the different churches and to forget that he stood idly by holding the coats of the people who stoned Stephen. That's the same Paul. Paul. The same Paul who stood idly by, holding the coats while people murdered a man in the streets for preaching the gospel, became the same Paul we idolize for his mission work. There's quite often I can say I was a far worse person than some people I've seen. Who am I to stand in their way of salvation? If anything, I should be the shining light that shows them the mercy of God. That shows them the love of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to say, oh, I forget my past because it's no longer a part of me. And that's great. Don't let that be a part of you that hinders you. But don't wipe it off your testimony and say, that's where God brought me from. Remember that that's where God brought you from. Remember to use that as a tool to reach those who are in similar situations. So if he can use somebody as bad or as worse than me, shouldn't I be the first in line? Wherever I am to share with whosoever comes for his help. See, God is a great physician, but what does every doctor need? Nurses. Aids. That's what we are. We're the nurses that take care of the patients while God does the work. We're the aides that tend to them while God heals them. That's our role. So will we be those nurses in God's hospital that we call church? Or do we really say, sorry, we've got no room for you, we've run out of beds. See, God's hospital don't run out of beds. When the pews fill up, we build a bigger building. And there's a lot of churches that haven't built in a long time. Because there's a lot of people who won't come because they felt like they've been pushed out. That's all over the world. That change has to start right here. And it means that we all have to be willing to make that change and to truly be accepting of everyone who comes through those doors. And to bring them into the fold of Christ we have to truly be willing to sit with them during their cry for help and to recognize that when a new face shows up in your congregation, that's a cry for help. Talk to that person. See what that person's situation is. See if if you can't relate, find somebody who can because that's who they're going to communicate with. That's who's going to be able to show them what God can do. And how Christ's love works. Dear God. Give us the heart that you want us to have. And show us your way. Your will. Like David said. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Teach us God. Show us the mercy that you have. So that we can share it with others. Show us the love of Christ so that we can share it with others. So that we can love people the way that you loved us. I know that I was a terrible sinner. I know that I still make mistakes, Lord, but you use me. Don't let me be a hindrance to someone else. Let me be the light that shines their way to you. Let me be the crutch or the walker or the wheelchair or whatever they need that gets them mobile enough to make it to you let me be your aid while you do the healing touch our hearts and our minds and our souls so that we're open to that so that we don't make quick rash judgments on people but whether rather we rerun to them we offer love and acceptance to them, so that we can lead them to you. You're willing to come to earth and meet us where we were to bring us to where you are. Give us that same mindset to come out of where we are now to meet others where they're at, to bring them to you. Lord, I thank you for your words and I hope that they speak to the hearts and minds of everyone listening so that they can carry them on with them as they go out and do your will, Lord. And I ask that you bless each and every person so that they can do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. As always, share it with everyone you can. Also, visit the website. Like, subscribe to the website and you can stay up to date everything that's going on. Follow us on social media at Brother James Party. Uh Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel and that way you get notified when new videos come out. Click the little bell so that you get those notifications. We appreciate your patronage that you get to continue listening to us. And we ask that if you would like, if you're in the area, come visit us anytime that you possibly can. Sunday's service is 11 o'clock. And that's at Union Church of the Nazarene. We hope to see you there. We love y'all. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.